All right. Hey, we're going. Sweet. So uh, we're without Joe tonight because his mama got into a car accident and she has a broken leg and Joe's been taking care of her. They're waiting to find out if she's going to need surgery. Hopefully, they're hopeful that she won't need any surgery. They'll, they'll just be able to set it and it'll heal cleanly. But until then, yeah, Joe's time is he just goes from, from work straight to his mama's house to just take care of his mom. So he, we are without Joe tonight. That is that's kind of a bummer, but you know, yeah. I hope his mom's okay. Get well soon. We're all cheering for you. So anyway, so moving on, soldiering on without Joe, we're back. It's two Stonians. I guess tonight it's only one Stonian, but we are. I am joined by two of our favorite guests, Catalina and Bill. Our favorite biologists are back, and we're here to talk about science fiction with science people. That was the premise that we were kicking around online, uh, and you guys chose two movies that you wanted me and Joe to watch, and I watched both today. And uh, why don't you tell us what? The, why don't you guys introduce the choices and tell us what the, what movies you picked? And I'm curious as also like if there was any particular reason why you picked these two. I uh, I want Carolina to introduce these because I hate both of these movies. <laughs> okay, that's great. All right, that's a good place to start. Um, Carolina, do you want to give it a shot? Um, I hate one of those movies, and I really like the other one. All right. Um, well, I'll introduce the movies then, and you guys tell me what about them you liked, and what about the, like, why, why are we watching these in particular? So the first one, and I'm not going in chronological order. This is the, I'm going actually in the order that I watched them today. Annihilation from 2018 by Alex Garland, starring Natalie Portman, and a, this was actually my whole day today. I was like, oh, that guy, oh, that guy kind of yeah. movie. Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, Jennifer Jason Leigh, who I, I knew I recognized, but I couldn't remember who it was, and I had to look her up. I was like, hey. Marty McFly's mom. And then the second movie was Gattaca from 1997. I forgot to write down the director. That one also is like a cavalcade of other people I like, right? It's got Ethan Hawke, Jude Law, Uma Thurman, Tony Shalhoub, Elias Codius was in it. Like so many people that I like were in that movie. I don't know how I feel about either one yet, but which one do we want to start with? Gattaca or Annihilation? Hmm. Maybe we can start with Annihilation because we just recently watched it. We watched it yesterday, right, so that one's kind of fresh. Before we, before we start, I'm going to take a shot of what am I drinking? Milagro, Leyenda de Milagro. Today's episode is brought to you by Milagro, even though they don't realize it. <laughs> right, I guess we're all taking a drink. It's all good. Yeah. yeah, it's just a thing now. I will take multiple shots of tequila over the course of this episode. So, Annihilation. Then is that the one we're starting with that we agree to? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess should I go over the narrative first, so everybody at home knows what we're talking about? That sounds good. Yeah, I, I'm interested in hearing like your your synopsis. <laughs> okay. Lot. 
Mine. Here's my synopsis. So a meteorite hits what I think is the Pacific Northwest. I don't know where else has lighthouses. Maybe New England. Anyways, it hits some salty, foggy coast. I don't know, but I might have just missed where it was set. I assumed I it was, it was southern. It was it was like Louisiana. It was swampy shit. They showed the oh, map really? at one point. Yeah, something well, like. Well, and that. also the the base is called Southern Reach. Also that. Man, I don't know. I, for some reason <laughs> in my head, I thought it was Oregon. I think in my head for some reason I feel like the apocalypse is going to start in Oregon. I don't know why. Yeah, Louisiana is obviously the better choice for the start of the apocalypse. I mean, they got. They, I mean, it's way more fun to be in Louisiana, generally speaking, than it is to be in yes. Oregon. Yeah. 100%. Anyway, so I guess it hits Louisiana the whole time. I thought it was, I legit thought it was Oregon the whole time. <laughs> that explains one of my questions, sort of. But so, and then this rock hits a lighthouse, and then it starts emitting a radiation that is like wavy rainbow color. So, like, you know, that mirage feeling when you're driving and you see that sort of rainbow oil mirage on a dirty stretch of road in a sunny day. Like if that was an aura that encapsulated a whole area of the world and the whole area, I mean, I don't know how big this thing was. I never got a real sense for its size, a neighborhood, let's say a neighborhood. Cause it took them like a few days to walk to the center. So we'll say a neighborhood's worth of area. And then this woman who turns down an up op- white woman played by Natalie Portman, who turns down an opportunity to go, to the black barbecue and my first thought was like who turns down a black barbecue and then i was like are y'all fucking and i was like whoa he just <laughs> dropped his wife's name they're not fucking which later turns out they were so they got me it's it totally got me. it totally tricked me because i had my legit first question was like is this awkward because y'all are fucking and then it turns out that it was true but they totally they totally like like misdirected me when he when he said his name his wife's name and then you find out that this woman has lost her husband played by oscar isaac who i love uh, he was a soldier and he's gone and then mysteriously he shows up at her house a year later he has amnesia she's very aggressive about his amnesia it was a weird scene where she's sort of like like clearly this dude doesn't remember anything but she's just so mad at him but i guess he was gone for a year with no word uh what else happens after that and then it turns out that she finds out through ways that he was in a secret mission to go into the rainbow bubble. Am I getting anything wrong? No. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he like starts coughing up blood as a way to get out of his interrogation. <laughs> you ever pull that move? Like the I, old, the old, I thought about pack, it. <laughs> the, old, the old blood pack and the molar move. Like I thought about, I think about pulling that move a lot of faculty meetings. I got to tell you. Right. Exactly. Like I was just like, uh, blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blood. Blood solves every problem by creating a new one, is what I've realized. Yeah, it's, it's on a poster in my office now. <laughs> so then he's coughing up blood, and he goes, he gets taken to some secret government facility. She goes with him, where he finds out he went into this trek into this place where no one has ever come back from before. He just came back mysteriously. It turns out it's this weird ecological, radiological phenomenon. They get a team of badass ladies. I thought that was cool. It was all ladies that went in to go to the center and try to find out what is causing this weird radiation because people could be going in and it comes out. And 
slowly but surely the strange world of mutations of weird plants and weird critters that feels like part Pan's Labyrinth, part Jurassic Park to me. In the sense of Jurassic Park where it's like abandoned kind of, like you don't ever know if there's a monster around. Like when the alligator gets Tessa Thompson, I guess I should say, spoilers, uh, when the alligator nabs Tessa Thompson, she was standing in front of a door. I swear to God, I yelled out, girl, you're about to get got. And then boom, <laughs> fucking snatches that bitch. Like I was like, dude, I warned you. I was so glad she lived because Tessa Thompson might have been my favorite character. And then, and then so slowly but surely, these mutated animals are picking them off one by one. Bunch of shit happens. They get to the lighthouse. It's down to two people. One of them, out of the five, one of the, out of the five one, is down to two. One of them turns into, like, goes down into the lighthouse where the corpse of her dead husband is there. It gets really weird. And then, like, there's a the butthole at the bottom of the tree, and she climbs <laughs> into it. And now we're, like, in Prometheus again for some reason. Yep. And the woman who started the mission turns into, like, an inside-out Rubik's Cube that's glowing from the inside. Right? And then... It's like Natalie you're reading Port the IMDb page. <laughs> I should be writing it. And then Natalie Portman, something... So that cube turns into, like, a changeling that is mimicking all her movements. She kills it. I'm unclear why, but she decides it needs to die. And then she somehow escapes... It goes back to the real world where she's reunited with apparently her changeling clone husband. And we're unsure if she is also a changeling clone, but her eyes glow. So maybe, so it's got a little bit of inception logic to it. Like, Ooh, what happened? That's my best. That's the best thing I can do in terms of a plot synopsis. It's pretty spot on. I yeah, think. yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. Okay. I mean, I just watched it like, like this afternoon. So I don't know where to start with this weird movie. So much of it is there's and the and the woman is like and I'll, I'm gonna get summarize this one last element and I'm gonna pass it off to you guys. The woman, Nellie Portman, whose name is Lena, she is a biologist professor, former Air Force person, right? She's a former yep. soldier turned biology professor. Yeah, I don't know if she was in the Air Force or I She's think in the, the army. army. Yeah. yeah, was the army okay? Yeah, and then. She becomes a professor who knows about cancer, and she's teaching about cancer, and they talk about cancer a lot. So cancer is the theme because there's all this, like, cancer doubles all the time, and it doesn't know to turn itself off, and it just eats everything. And that was obviously metaphorical in ways I'm still trying to figure out. Was it or was it not? I mean, you keep reminding me about cancer, so obviously you want me to read all this through cancer somehow. I looked on some line for some possible interpretations. I'll go over those later. But... Let's start there, I guess, because <laughs> y'all are biologists. What do the biologists think about this biology movie where the biology professor is the main character? Okay, I'm going to start with one problem that I had, and that was she just seems way too young to have been seven years in the military, gotten a PhD, and then like a postdoc, and then a tenure-track position at Johns <laughs> Hopkins, like to have basically had two careers already. So that was like my only <laughs> big problem with the academic side of it. And that's then, like, that's, yeah, go ahead. I was like, that, I was gonna say that's like when they have thirty-year-olds playing high schoolers. I just saw for the first time Mean Girls. I'm like Regina George's actress has oh, got to be yeah. thirty already. Yeah, so something like that. But I thought, I mean, the science was mostly gobbledygook, but 
some of it some of it made, made sense i thought the the cancer was just kind of a convenient relatable thing to like you know this was obviously something alien and so different from anything that occurs on earth naturally that like describing it as sort of cancer and tumors was just the best way to make a parallel make an analogy with something that that's familiar to us other than that like yeah, some weird hypermutations and scrambling of DNA. I mean, fine. Yeah, no, it's nonsense, but but fine for for the sake of the story. I don't have a problem with it. So radiation presumably can't just remix your DNA with whatever's nearby. Not like this, and I didn't think it was like radiation. I think it was the the biology, the nature of the thing that came with the meteor or whatever it was. It was like the nature of the the entity that arrived, that it just like assimilated and scrambled every, and just kind of like, yeah, mixed up new stuff, old stuff, its own, whatever its own nature is to create new life forms, I guess. Bill? So I thought the, the cancer thing is like, is twofold right because the the shimmer itself is kind of growing like a cancer mm-hmm. right it's it's spreading out from a point and it's in the same way that when cancer invades organs and stuff like that it kills those organs and that's that's ultimately what kills you the the shimmer's working in that same way as it sort of grows unchecked everything it encounters it wipes out i i actually didn't like how right she's a she's a cancer geneticist but she's talking about like all sorts of different things. Like, here are multiple species of plant. I'm like, you don't know that. <laughs> no, that was pretty obvious. I think to any biologist, hopefully seeing like nope. completely different flowers and the same stem, like different morphologies of flowers. I thought that was okay. She's a well-rounded nope. biologist. I'm by. I'm, I bought that. I think they're banking on me watching it and being like, well, I can't disagree because I don't know what the fuck <laughs> you're talking about. <laughs> I so actually I disagree with the cancer as in like destroying things because they made that point at least once but I want to say multiple times that it's not destroying it's creating new things it's taking the existing material and creating new life forms by scrambling all of them together and then like creating this new like hybrid chimeric forms Okay, specifically, and actually, I'm going to be their nerd here, you know, how how you guys always are like, oh, but in the comic book, it's like this. I'm like, I I actually read the book and the two sequels of this, so I'm confident in my interpretation. Oh, no, fill us in then. Go ahead. (laughs) Speak from your nerd platform. Let your Um, nerd flag fly. Yeah, no, it's just some kind of of alien thing that's just like creating, it's, it's transforming earth it arrived and it's like slowly growing and transforming everything the everything it encounters it's not necessarily destroying i mean in in some sense it's like killing the people right it encounters but in other senses at least in the book very specifically they're still there just they just are half alligator or something or half bear and just like kind of blended into everything else in that area that's interesting i had a really and this is where you could tell the, uh, the 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 lit guy comes out. So I'm trying to find patterns for just trying to come up with some meaning. And I'm trying to think of how can cancer be thought of metaphorically, right? What What is a cancer, this sort of 
thing that duplicates itself and ultimately destroys you. It starts on the inside. And I thought I was trying to map that on that idea onto the characters. And what was interesting is all the women are all suffering from some kind of like internal turmoil that could consume them. So like Tessa Thompson's character is a cutter, right? She has a darkness in her that's like getting out. Um, and she said, what did they say about her? It wasn't to, she didn't commit, she wasn't trying to commit suicide to be dead. She was trying to feel alive. And I don't know how that ties in, if at all. I could be overreading it. The Jason Jason's legs had literal cancer, right? Yep. And her, and when she dies, she turns into that glowing Rubik's Cube thing. It like starts from the inside and comes out of her. It bursts out. So it like, it does claim her life, but it doesn't kill her, I guess. It just transforms her. Tessa Thompson ended up becoming, and I'm trying to think of ways that maybe this is metaphorical because she sort of accepts it and she comes at peace and she turns into one of the flower bush things, human bushes. Uh, the what's her name was uh, Lena. She cheated on her husband, so she is feels guilty for the the destruction, the, the the dissolving of their marriage, right? Um, she didn't know. I, I the timeline was obscure. I think I guess she didn't know he was dead. I don't know when that happened, the affair, if it happened before she thought he was dead or like he was just gone all the time. I don't know if I missed a detail, if it was deliberately obscure, but maybe it doesn't matter. And I don't remember the other woman, Gina Rodriguez, the one who ends up losing her, flipping her mind. I don't remember her her struggle. But she I thought maybe... Huh? She was an alcoholic or addict or something like that because they said she was sober. That's right. That's right. She's like a recovering addict. And then the woman, the first woman who sort of dies, but then she doesn't die because she becomes the bear. But then they kill the bear, so I don't know what to think of her. But I'm thinking there's some sort of like confrontation coming to terms with like whatever inner cancers you may have, whether those be emotional or psychological. But I don't know. That's the puzzle I got. And then I thought like I might be giving this movie too much fucking credit. Like I don't know if it's actually reaching out for that. Well, they they flat out say that I think at some point that like the people, all the people who were sort of recruited for this, they're all damaged goods in some way. Right, right, right. Yeah, they called attention to that. So I was trying to connect those two. That maybe are like if the woman, the the first woman who dies. She says something about it's a double loss when her child died. She's mourning her child and mourning her past self. So yeah. maybe it's about letting your new self, you know, who necessarily destroys your old self, become. You don't have to think about the future as a cancer. But then I'm like, does anybody think that? Like I don't, I don't know. Like I, I can't. I can't find a satisfying connection, but I'm also just maybe reaching too hard. The only thing that really, I guess, kind of jumped out at me when I tried to find the message is that, is that it, it, it's, it came to me a little bit like the sort of history of humanity, right? We show up in a spot, we slowly take over the environment, we grow outward and we change it. It's like the, um, that scene in The Matrix where like Agent mm. Smith is saying, you know, when you try to classify humans, they're a virus. They they adapt the environment to what they need, and they make all these changes. And I thought that was kind of a, like, I, I felt that history there of just, oh, look, this is, you know, something's doing it to us. Now it's bad. Oh, humanity is a cancer. Which wow. is something that's been done a couple of times. That's true. That isn't a new idea. Um, it was certainly a different way of doing it just because now on, we were on the other end of this. What seemed to be interesting to me was that 
right? In the case of the bear, the gator, the flowers, all those things maybe didn't sort of go on in their current form, but you still recognize them as right. alligator, bear, flowers. The humans, for the most part, are not recognizable. And the, the ones that are really are just the, oh, look, the flowers took the form of humans. All the humans get, they, I mean, they vanish. There's no half-human hybrid walking around. I used to think If I could realize I'd die Then I would be A lot nicer Used to believe In a lot more Now I just see Straight ahead That's not to say I don't have good times But as for my days I spend waiting I have to say the hybrid stuff The visuals of this movie were What kept me going Like oh, I yeah. thought visually it was super cool You had the skull bear That screamed like a woman I think it's so fucking terrifying Yeah, And then you had the The sort of like furry deer with antler horn antler flowers like flowers in her antlers and he had the the, the the tree bushes that took the shapes of people and even this the the one where the soldier had the weird worms crawling in his stomach and then he became like this fun guy on the wall and the fun guy had like a skull face it was still creepily beautiful like it's this movie is fun to look at like that is for sure I thought it was like super visually arresting. Like, yeah, especially that scene where they find what's left of that guy and he's yeah. that kind of fungus thing. I, they kept cutting away to the people and I was like, no, 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 go back. Like, I think that's where his jaw is. And I, I kept wanting to see more of that as morbid yeah. as it was. It was morbid, but it was, yeah, it had a strange beauty to it. Yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately it is supposed to be a, a scary movie, like a mystery thriller like yeah, there's drama between the people, but I do think that you know more of an more than an allegory, it is supposed to be just like a scary movie in some way, or like a yeah thriller movie. Um, I do think that there is I, I would agree with Bill that there is a little bit of like maybe an environmental message, um, or yeah, humanity being a like now that there's something encroaching on our civilization and growing and we have no control over it and it is not really reclaiming the nature to its former self but just creating something else but without humans ruling it i do think that there's definitely that i don't i haven't really thought about it in terms of like is there another deeper message because i'm not sure there is (laughs) yeah, I could be reaching for something that's that's not there. I uh, I I I like that environmental angle actually quite a bit. And I do like the fact that if you could, you know, I don't know how to say it. Like you said, somebody I forget which one of you said this. These things are still recognizably themselves. They're also recognizably like beautiful. We don't have to fear change so much. Mm-hmm. It, they were like yeah, they were. It was a gorgeous thing. So I asked you both. I'm gonna so I'm gonna go to my the question I asked you guys earlier. So. Part of the premise is that it seems to be like you sort of turn into something, I don't know, related or nearby. Like, it's hard to understand how the remixes happen when you get 
multiple flowers on one tree branch or you get the skull bear with a woman's voice or you know all these other crazy critters the uh the alligator with shark teeth that was pretty dope and so the so the question i asked and at first i was like that doesn't really make sense and then i was like no oh, that's basically ninja turtle logic so maybe i should shut the fuck up <laughs> right what's nearby oh you're that thing you know yeah <laughs> like so i asked you to pick two items pick one animal and one plant that you would like to be remixed with but the panel gets to decide which traits you get right yeah who wants to go first yeah you had the best joke you gotta tell us your joke no it's a i i actually stand by my decision i think a bamboo for a plant and the baboon for uh the animal i would be called a bamboon and like <laughs> i said that alone is worth it um but I also that think bab- those are both awesome species. Ba- uh, baboon being worth it. Bamboon <laughs> might be the title of this episode. Bamboon. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, wait. So, okay. So, you stand. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about this. Why'd you pick those two? Well, bamboo grows really fast, it grows through everything. It's just like a really hardy. Um, resilient, and what other word I would use for it, but just like a badass species of a plant. All right. Um, a baboon is terrifying, uh, strong, ruthless, and it has a big red butt. <laughs> All does. of those things. Uh, I was gonna make you. I was gonna make you take the big red butt, but your yep. tone implies you might appreciate that. So <laughs> now I'm rethinking it. All right, so what traits do we want to give her? We got bamboo. What's a, what a bamboo has? Right, so they're they grow in stalks. They live in Asia. Bears eat them. They're not very. Know. They're not very nutritious. <laughs> so what part of the what trait do we want to give her? She gets the bamboo's nutritional value. <laughs> I, I'm still fixed on the big red butt. <laughs> All right, she's got a big red butt. She gets the big red butt and empty calories. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, you made me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else we could give her from bamboo. Like, what would you like? Like, lightweight, flexible, yet hardy. You're already those things. Yeah, come on. We're like, gonna go with zero nutritional value. <laughs> <laughs> Your new nickname is Empty Calories. <laughs> All right, Bill. I hope I've set the tone for how this is gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> Bill. What did you pick? Well, actually, I should pick because mine. My, I'll go next. I'll let you go. I'll let you close. That way, I can get my comeuppance immediately. So I picked <laughs> beetles because I just think beetles are awesome. There's so many different types of beetles. Carapaces are awesome. Like wings you can hide under armor are awesome. Specifically, I'd love to be a blue scarab because I think they're beautiful. Uh, Japanese horn beetles are also awesome. Uh, there's so many different types of beetles. Like they're still discovering new kinds of beetles, right? Yep. And a flying critter, which I think is awesome, right? And uh, the other one I picked was um, sunflowers. But my reason isn't as cool as hers. It's just because I think they're pretty. So I got nothing else. So I got – I realize now I picked both my choices because I think they're pretty. So I got blue scarab beetle and sunflowers. Wait, so you're going specifically blue scarab beetle. Not if possible, beetle broadly defined is fine. 
Okay, because I was gonna say for Beatles, I want you to have to eat dung, like dung beetles. <laughs> you gotta eat shit forever. Oh, that's a little on the nose considering what I did to Ka- Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. I'm going to say for the sunflower, you just, no matter what, always have to look at the sun. Oh, no. So I got, I'm eating shit. I'm just standing (laughs) in a field, staring at the sun, eating turds, just going sun mad and eating and eating shit. It's grad school all over again. You know, you know what? That's just, if you told me, yeah, right. If you were, if you, uh, if you told me that was a scene of annihilation, I'd believe you though. (laughs) That's actually what the uh, uh, oh god I forgot her name, the one who goes up to be the flowers. Oh Tessa, yeah. Yeah, that's what Tessa ends up doing. Yeah, yeah. And all right, Bill, what are yours? All right, so mine's a killer whale. Oh, dope. And I'm gonna go with an oak tree for my plant. Okay. Okay, so for the oak tree, you're susceptible to sudden oak death. (laughs) That's That's fine. I'm a, I'm a, is that? Wait a minute. I don't even yeah. know what that is. It's fucking hilarious, but I don't know what it is. What is sudden oak death? Is that like a heart attack for oaks? Yeah. Oh, shit. It's a, it's a kind of a pathogen that just kills oaks. All of a sudden? Wow. <laughs> that's just... That's just such a non-scientific name for something that feels <laughs> yeah. real specific. Like, what else is there that's like that? Like, surprise whale, isn't surprise there, whale drowning. Isn't there like a sudden infant death or something? Oh yes, sudden infant death syndrome. Is that a thing? That is a thing. My my baby died all of a sudden. Yeah, like overnight. Oof. Yeah, we went there. Wow. Thanks. Good job, Carolyn. Oh, okay, so sudden oak syndrome. <laughs> so you could die like any second. And no matter what, you're going to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that sounds like a pretty good way to go, to be honest. So Orca, right, here's what I'm going to give you for Orca, is you hunt in packs so at any moment, <laughs> you or one of your friends is just going to drop. <laughs> This also sounds like grad school again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, hold on. I had one last thought about fucking uh, Annihilation. And then I want to, and then I'll, uh, and then we can talk about Gattaca if you want. The, was it just me or was real Oscar Isaac, when I say real one, the, the cane that went to the thing, because the one that comes out is the changeling. Did he have a southern accent in his suicide video? Right. Right? I okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed this. I swear, like, yeah, when he's making the video, he all of a sudden has a southern accent. So here's my reading of the ending, specifically the hug, Lena, who we don't know if she's fake or not. We're led to believe she's the real Lena, but her eyes glow, so maybe she's fake. It's that sort of inceptiony kind of ending would happen would really happen. Roll credits. And changeling Oscar Isaac, who we know is a changeling, right? And they hug. Yep. He asks her, "Are you?" He she asks him, "Are you really Kane?" And he says, "I don't think so." Are you really Lena? And she just sort of tears up and hugs him. And I'm going to suggest that it's really Lena. And not only that, I'm going to suggest this is a happy ending from Lena's point of view, because all she did was get her husband back, but now he doesn't remember that she cheated on him, and he lost that terrible accent. <laughs> right? Well, it's an upgrade. 
you get the impression or they, they, they say something to the effect of like, you can't leave the shimmer without it being part of you, right? Like it's mutating her cells. The more they spend time in there, the more it's messing with them. So like, even if she's not a changeling, she's still been like altered by it. Right, right, right. Right, but, right, he was coughing up blood, he was dying, and as soon as the area X went down, he got better. So that, like, kind of suggests that whatever it, part of the area X or the shimmer is in them kind of dies when the center of it dies. But then the ending is completely contradictory to that, because it does seem like they both have something in them. And in the book, I will say this, in the book, she is altered, and she, like, carries that with the, the book actually ends completely differently but yeah i think she i think they both are changelings to some degree he more Oops. so than her but she is the original lena but she's going to change yeah right and her husband now forgot her greatest sin it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't sound like porky pig that sounds like wins all around yeah, yeah. sounds like a happy ending to me yeah So, Gattaca? Oh, yeah. Gattaca. So, I've never seen this before. I watched it today. It was free on Crackle, which was a bad sign. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Star-studded cast. uh, Apparently, so I looked at it a little bit. I remember when it came out in theaters. I didn't watch it. It bombed, but it's got like a cult following now. A lot of people really dig this movie. There's definitely enough young actors in it in their like early primes. So I can see why people might be fans in it, right? The list is pretty deep. The roster on this movie is impressive. Uh, so the plot is that the new world where you can identify children's genetic futures just through gene knowledge. Uh, that part is already explained. And you can either have a baby the natural way. And then he's just susceptible to whatever bullshit all of us are. Or you can have it made in a lab and it's guaranteed to not have to be the perfect version of itself, is how they describe it, right? So it won't have, you know, Alzheimer's, and it can edit out obesity. They give a whole list, right? You can you go down, you can pick skin color, you can pick his hair color, you can pick the eye color. And then the story is a point of view of a kid who is natural born, his brother is Mate, lab mates, so his brother's always beating him at everything. He is supposed to die in his 30s because he has a heart condition. He beats those odds, and all he wants to do is travel in the space because we're also space travel is now a thing, right? Yep. So he works out a deal with some guy who's crippled, who was made in the lab, to let him have his blood and piss to get into the lab because they have all these genetic barcode things. Basically, they check your blood and piss every day to make sure it's you. 
and to get into the space program, and he does, and he's just scamming the system. Then his boss gets murdered, so it brings the cops in the town. So they're scrutinizing everybody. He's afraid he's going to get busted. And his girlfriend, who doesn't know he is a non-valid, is what they call the regulars? Invalids. Invalids. Or degenerate. What do they call them? Degenerates, something like that. Yeah, that was was kind of funny. And, um, And then a bunch of shit happens. Turns out he didn't do it. He's always trying to cleverly stay away from the police by, like, I don't know, vacuuming up all his hair and then leaving his dust in other places or taking out his contact lenses. He's always, like, eluding the police. So it's kind of a whodunit story, too. There's a lot of things happening in this movie. Stuff happens. They find out he didn't kill him, so he's off the hook. But then he finds out a whole bunch of people were onto him anyway. It's just been covered for him for reasons. One of them was his brother, which I'm like, how did you not recognize him? And two, then he, and the other one was like his boss. And I'm like, do we need you to be in on it too? Like, what point are you making? Then he gets to go to space. The guy who hooked him up with all his blood and piss kills himself. And he makes it out. He's, he wins. He escapes Earth. He gets to go into space. Did I miss anything? That is pretty much the summary of the movie. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. All right. Okay. So what do the biologists think? About this biology-centric movie. <laughs> I'll say, unlike Annihilation, Annihilation felt like the the science the science science fiction took a backseat. Like that was all human drama. Right, right, right. This one, like, there's a bit of human drama, but it's really mostly about this weird science dystopia they built. Yeah, they just found out what genes are. Yeah, <laughs> Hollywood just found out what genes are. Actually, the thing I I have to get off my chest first is they have all this tech and like everybody's got these old VCR screens where the tracking goes off. Yes. God. I thought it was super funny that they've populated Titan in the Saturn system, but did not figure out LCD screens yet. That was killing me. There's so many like tech plot holes like why do they still have janitors can't they have cleaning robots yeah like, <laughs> like ev- everything about it is just like yeah high tech and then all these things that make no sense in this high tech society including the shitty screens i agree with that but i think i think part of the reason this this movie's gotten a bit of a new start right because i think i think it bombed when it came out right yeah bombed hard and i think now that we have realistic gene editing right this this crispr stuff that's now out right it was in the news a month or so ago about the uh chinese doctor who un well did some gene editing on children and didn't inform the family right right. so like this is now you know that is that is no longer science fiction that is something we in theory could do which has all sorts of the moral and ethical and and, and thousand other ramifications. So I think this is now back in vogue. It's like, oh, hey, like, what if we did do this stuff and we could gene edit your way out of this, this, and this? What would the world be like? I thought it was funny, which is, you know, part of the ethical situation. 
And one thing I definitely noticed was every time they had what I, a character I would call like a gatekeeper. Like the first one is the gynecologist who's like, are you sure you don't want me to get his jeans? And the other one was the guy who was interviewing him for some job. I don't remember what. Both, it was, uh, they were both black dudes. And they're both saying, they're like, oh, skin color doesn't matter anymore. Genetic profile does. And then I thought like, that's funny considering that from what I can see, all the black people and women in your movie are basically secretaries. So how different is this? Is that a 90s lack of self-reflection or is that deliberately ironic? I don't know how much credit I wanted to give the movie, but I, I, I thought about that. No, no, I, I thought about that a lot, like how it was very much a white dude movie throughout. Like nobody else had a personality. Like Uma Thurman is the only, uh, only female character. We know nothing about her. She has no personality, no backstory, nothing. Like she's just there to shag Ethan Hawke. That's her whole purpose. I thought she, for a while she was going to be the murderer. That would have been way better. That's what I thought too. Out. Yeah, I was, I was hoping that too. Yeah, no, not even that. And and yeah, so the, the women are like non-existent and people of color are like thrown here and there to like show that they exist <laughs> in yes. this world. But but yeah, the, the doctor and the interviewer were like the only ones that actually had <laughs> A little bit of speaking of, of speaking part, but they really didn't, right? It, yeah. it was, it was yeah. like a it was like a Tucker Carlson wet dream, right? It's not like, hey, we didn't exclude black people, just just genetically inferior. It's just the science. Well, they they also seem to do it like there was, it was almost like they were checking the boxes, right? Because I think one of the 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 doctors early on is an Asian woman. And then you've got one or two black characters like, okay, we've checked that box. Yeah. Next throwaway character can be this checkbox. Right, right, right. One Asian and one woman on the actual, like, astronaut crew. You know, all the guys in suits that were going to space at the end. It does bring up an interesting question, right? Like, are we supposed to understand this society then as the existing hegemony of, you know, white dudes running shit? would just use science to validate itself as opposed to it just not realizing you just validated that thing because like this historical president, right? Anytime there's some kind of science, you, you know, the rich white dudes line up to appropriate it as evidence of their own efficacy, right? Like you had that with social Darwinism. You had that with eugenics, which is the first time we tried some shit like this. And, I guess you could read it that way if you're generous. Like, I don't know how much... Is, this, is there a source text for this? I did not really do any research for this. Did, did they... Is there, like, a short story? Like, like is it, are we supposed to read this as racial commentary? Or is that, like... Is there, or is it just so unself-aware that it just opens itself up for that? Uh, it's hard to know that, right? I think it's I think it's a lack of awareness. I think they're so... They're being so heavy-handed with the morality and ethics of the gene editing. Mm-hmm. That you just don't have, you can you can only be high and mighty about so many things. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah at the same time, yeah. I would agree with that. I think they're right. They're subtle about nothing. Um, <laughs> there's no subtlety. So I think if it was about race, they would have let us know right away. And just the fact that the actually the the two um, black men, the two characters that actually have a speaking role are right at the beginning. We never see them again. They're just thrown there to be like, 
hey guys, it's not about race. That's not what this is about. I felt yeah. that, that that was their only purpose there. Like like asterisks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah walking but, asterisks. Yeah, they didn't even get names, right? No. <laughs> I hope I hope that on the uh, call sheet, they were just doctor and businessman and not black doctor <laughs> black businessman <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows but talk about like there was some fun like the the, the technology of it is funny sometimes because there's this one moment it's about not subtle like you have the perfect man who's been crippled and you have the crippled man who's becoming perfect right it's it's this the obvious parallelism right but sometimes the parallelism like undercuts itself because its own inconsistent technology like there's that scene where he's agreed to get the he's agreed to get the surgery to make himself taller right and he's sitting there on the floor just like laid out with the pins and needles things holding his legs together and the the crippled guy's asking him if it hurts and i'm like so wait a minute Wait a minute, movie. Time out. You're telling me you live in a world where you can just not only make somebody taller, but you're making somebody taller who's doing it to scam the government. So I'm presuming through some shady middleman character played by Tony Shalhoub, and Tony Shalhoub is always awesome in everything he does. Fucking put. <laughs> so he had to be in like some back alley, like hospital that isn't going to put it on insurance, right? Pay cash. To lengthen your legs. You're telling me that level of surgery is so pervasive that fucking Richie can do it in the back of the bar. But this guy who's perfect can't be given any kind of walking? Like, that just feels really like, where are your priorities, universe? Like, solve that problem first, right? It seems like you have the technology. You can pretty much make Captain America from birth. Yep. That's another plot hole that is never addressed and never solved. But there, there's others, right? Like Uma Thurman has like a mild heart condition. She has to take pills. Really? You can't fix that? Well, they, they, they try to explain it away, right? It happened out of the country. You know, you know, so, you know so what we what? mean. Yeah, you know what we mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's that just... kind of thing. Like it's not documented anywhere. Like if this guy's perfection how could he possibly have any kind of accident anywhere and no one's going to be like, hey, uh, whatever happened to Jude? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Didn't we that lost- guy used to, like, run everywhere all the time? We lost track of one of our perfect people. In terms of, like, the society of it, one thing I was looking out for was, like, this is a 90s movie. In which way is the 90s sort of attitude shining through? And here's the one thing that I thought was really interesting. The plot of this movie, and the thing we're cheering for, is for this (laughs) handsome, straight, white dude who's just not handsome, straight, and white enough to succeed. And his success is defined as escaping the world, right? Yep. And then I thought, 
How fucking 90s is that? Not at all a thought of saving the world or awakening the world. Just as long as I get out, <laughs> this is great. And we're cheering for him to get out, like that, for that guy to succeed and escape. But it's just so like 90s to me to be like, just leave it behind. Fuck it. It's their problem. And that's the other thing is they never they never give you any insight. Like, why are these people going? I mean, they're doing like six or seven space launches a day. Yeah, like, yeah. What, why? I, they're going to Titan. But Only why? Years. Yeah, yeah. At one point, they say they're sending ships out like every day. And another point, they said like, we only have one chance in seven years. Like, wait, but which is it? This particular trip was only possible once every 70 years, right? But there were, it's, it sounded like they were doing other space trips all the time. It was, I don't know, I, we don't even know what was special about this one launch that was only possible for a limited amount of time. And I don't some, know. And then some dude had to die to not stop. We were find out later when it remembered it has to resolve that. It's, a, it's a, it, like it totally forgets. Like, oh, that's right. Oh, there's a murder happened. Who did it? That guy. The ending is so random. I did think. I, I'll tell you what, though. Here's here's an interesting thing, though. We can talk about message with the last one. What you know? So we're poking fun at it for all the things it doesn't realize it's saying. But let's maybe give it some credit for what it's trying to say. And I thought what, something that was interesting is why... What's interesting is that Ethan Hawke's character, uh, Vincent, he's, he's, not, he's scamming, the, he's scamming the, the Institute by being able to pass as one of the perfect people because he has the blood and piss to fake out the test, right? But he's also, like, the top of the class. He's not just passing as one of the engineers for their version of NASA or whatever it is. He's also like excelling, right? Like we when we meet him, he's like, "Oh, your Star Trek navigation, Star Trek jumbo jumbo, is spot on." Like, and you're you're it's the best I've seen, and like to the point where it is. You you could almost say this is interesting because the director or whatever is willing to protect him, knowing that he might be a murderer because his skills are so useful. They're always trying like. The, the Gattaca itself is always trying to deflect the police, right? When they find out there might be somebody amongst them that could have been a killer, they're like, oh, oh, oh. But when they find out that killer might be an invalid, now they're like, oh, get him out, get him out, get him out. Until we find out that one of them knew and didn't care, right? But it's interesting that he's not just scamming the system. Like, generally, he's scamming for entry, but when he gets in, he excels. That's, I think, interesting in terms of what the message of the movie is, right? All things being all things being equal, then what is it that makes somebody excel? And at the same time, Jude Law being perfect, he was still second in whatever race that he he got his stupid silver medal, right? Like that that right? They're trying to say that the genetics does not, in fact, define you. Uh, does not, in fact, predict whether you can be successful or not. Right. So, but I do think. But here's my question then, and I have some thoughts. What does does the film identify something that does? Does the perfect person who's got every genetic advantage are they missing something? Because we see this a lot, right? Uh, Ethan beats his brother finally in the swimming race. Is it Ethan Hawke? Yeah. We see it with Jude Law's character gets the silver medal. And and we see it in the classroom, right? He is the top student. 
right? Not the classroom, the engineering group. He's the top engineer, right? So what's the missing thing? What do you think the story, do you think the story offers that? Is it, is it satisfied by saying genes aren't everything? Or do you think it says it's also this? Because I think it does, but I want to hear what you guys think. Hard work and will. Yeah, part of it. Well, I think, yeah, I think some of it's that early 90s, even though this is 97, um, late 80s, like, well, even if all the chips are stacked up against you, if you two have your Rocky training montage, you can come out on top. There's also the idea that, like, for your career and your ambition, nothing else matters. Oh, yeah. This is that late 90s, early 2000s, work yourself into the grave because that's how you got to be successful. Yeah, drive being the sort of the, the golden character trait. Yeah. I think that's true. I think also, I read it, that's none of that is wrong. I I spin it a little more positively, perhaps, I think. For some reason, while I was watching it, the thought I had was that, I think it was Einstein. It's attributed to Einstein. This could be one of those mean moments where, like, that guy didn't actually say that, but we all assume he did. Success is 99%. One uh, percent inspiration, ninety-nine percent perspiration. Right? You've heard yeah. that before. I've heard 1%, that quote. One percent inspiration, ninety-nine percent perspiration. It's attributed to to Einstein, but I mean, I I would be I wouldn't be shocked if I find out it wasn't him at all. So, what happens if we take out if we take away ninety-nine percent perspiration? If everybody has ninety-nine percent to give, if everyone has the exact amount, right? Doesn't that equalize? So don't, aren't we back to the 1% being the thing that matters? This sort of the inspiration. And then where does inspiration comes from? An act, living an actual life, having adversity, right? That's the one thing that I thought about his brother and all the Gattaca kids. Like they've never had adversity. So there's something generative about overcoming as opposed to sweeping away obstacles. And I guess maybe that's because I work out of school. I mean, you guys work at school. Right, I'm thinking about this whole thing with the college bribes, the snowplow parents, right? Yep. Like those kids don't realize, like, yeah, you didn't earn it. You've never NASA earned anything. Everything is getting out of your way. Like, you've there's no obstacles to overcome. It, like, there's so many things that you learn from overcoming an obstacle, like problem solving, perseverance, a, a, a structural understanding of what produces problems if you're savvy enough, right? But if you have everything of that cleared, your path cleared, you'll never get that, right? So on one level, there's it's almost like like an homage to the way that adversity can build character. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I I do think that that a lot of the that that was one good thing about the movie, but I will um, I will take that a step further, and I would say that that movie would have would have been way better. If it was like a Pixar movie, yeah. Uh, if it was like boy wants to go to space, has like all sorts of handicaps in his life, but with hard work and perseverance and like you know his like humanity, he overcomes. Like, it would have been way. I don't know. But like, it's also like that's the kind of story to be in an animated movie and not like this. Well, here's the thing. Well, I might have pushed back against that a little bit. What's interesting about Gattaca too is that some of his ingenuity is scamming the system. He's a hero for it. We're supposed to admire him, right? This is a person who's dealing with, like, black market, hacker type, get me, I'm just trying to break it. He's breaking into an institution, right? 
he's breaking in and contributing to it, which is like a weird kind of contradiction in a way. But he's breaking in. So part of the thing we're supposed to respect about him is that he's willing to operate. He's willing to be subversive in his relationship to the system, to participate in it. And so those are again, those are contra- those are sort of weirdly contradictory energies to me. But I don't know that Pixar is willing to lionize somebody who's essentially a thief. Fair. Yeah, they would do they would do the tough part before he got in. Right. They would do the they keep telling him no, he comes back, they tell him no, he comes back, but finally he wins them over kind of thing. Maybe Pixar would have it do it within the system. Oh, there's a... The system is evil, right? The, they're, he's trying to beat the system. I think Pixar would just have the whole system come down in the end or change because it is not good. I think, but what, well, what kind of not good are we going to get from Pixar? Like, there's two kinds of not good. Not good as in, like, corrupt and, like, taking advantage of society. And not good is like, incompetent. Because I'm thinking of Wally, yeah, where, Wally where we blow up the earth. But we blow up the earth because we're fat, lazy shits. Not because we're evil, right? So, to me, he would get in. If it's a Pixar movie, he gets in by some kind of clerical mistake. And he realizes he's not supposed to be there. And his thing is he just keeps that a secret. But deliberately lying to the government. I just don't see that Pixar mm-hmm. would embrace that. All right, fair. I'll give you that. I didn't like that part of it. Like, this dude is willing to straight up lie to the feds. All right. We're getting close to the end here, fellas. Uh, last thoughts. How about this? This is how we close with this. Last thoughts for sure, and, and both for either movie. But would you recommend either, and why? Okay, I'm gonna go because I feel like we missed like one big, big thing about Gattaca. Oh wait, the, please back us up. Let's hear it. Only reason why I would recommend it, and that is the penis joke at the beginning. <laughs> oh. Where the doctor, right, the doctor compliments Ethan Hawke on his penis repeatedly, which is super creepy. Right. Um, And then in the end, it turns out the doctor knew all along uh, because uh, you're supposed to hold it with your right hand and not your left hand if you're right handed. So he was looking at his dick the whole time every day, um, which is creepy. But then Ethan Hawke had like a catheter, right, to to have the test done. So was the penis even real or was it prosthetic? That's a mystery that's never answered, and I think yeah. that's what makes the movie good. Or, or alternatively, is the catheter just taped? Follow me with this gear, guys. Just taped up on the underside of his dick, and he's peeing. He's hoping to angle it in a way that it looks like it's coming out of the dick hole, but it's actually coming out of the catheter hole that's underneath it. However, his dick is so beautiful that the doctor <laughs> never notices. Because he's super into it. Like, there's like a three-minute conversation about Ethan Hawke's dick (laughs) on an aesthetic level. It's not even sexual. It's more than one scene. It has more than one. It's got more speaking lines than Uma Thurman has. I feel like Ethan Hawke wrote all those scenes himself and insisted (laughs) to be in the movie for him to participate. (laughs) It was like in his writer. Yeah, so that's my that's my one one reason to to recommend um, Gattaca for that. Otherwise, I think Annihilation is fun to watch, so I would recommend it. I let's see. Uh, well, go ahead, Bill. What do you think? 
Uh, Annihilation was fun you said to watch. You, hated, you said you hated both of them. I did the, hate both of them. Pod. Um, so convince us why we shouldn't watch it. All right, you shouldn't watch Gattaca because it's bad. The dialogue is bad. If if I wanted to, you know, watch a bunch of white people talk about things they don't understand, you know, that's what the news is for. <laughs> the only good thing about Gattaca is all the DNA jokes, right? Degenerate. The title of the movie is all DNA. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, it's G. I looked. I saw. I know. I know this somehow. It's like a trivia question at bars. Is it G A C T or Gene Lines or something? Those are the Even four bases. Yeah. But I got the letters right, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. But uh, it wasn't even a genetics company. They were going to space. Why were they called Gattaca? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't thought about that. Yeah, this movie doesn't really hold up. It's like the movie Gattaca doesn't hold up well to scrutiny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Um, uh, Annihilation right. at least is pretty. And the bear scene's amazing. The bear scene's amazing. We didn't give enough love to that bear scene. The skull bear with this woman skull screaming. Bear screaming the hell Oh, man. I was just like, most Brutal. of the time, I was like, like I get you're trying to scare me, movie. And then that fucking bear came out, and I was like, motherfucker, movie. Yeah. Like, wow. You could have been doing this. The, I was kind of mad. There was a part of me that was like, you could have been doing this the whole time? Yeah. That level of brutality, like, it's screaming help while also mauling the yeah. other woman to death. Like, oh, man, this is brutal. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think Annihilation had a lot of the feel of the thing, actually. Like, it was kind of quiet and just suspenseful most of the time. But when the action came, it was, like, localized but brutal and, like, really on point. You know I what? It was great. I'm glad you said that. If I had gone in somehow thinking John Carpenter, I might have liked it more. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. That's the one of the two I'd recommend. Like, it's great to look at. It's like big seeds, even though, like you said, like I love the way you phrase it. They're kind of localized, small, but they happen in these little bursts that are like, whoa, shocking. Man, those scenes are cool. The alligator scene is fucking dope. The bear scene yeah. is fucking dope. The the uh the the final the 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 inverted glowing fungi Rubik's cube thing is cool too even though I have no fucking clue what's happening and it's fun to look at for sure and if I thought about it the thing I think I would have liked it more something about its tone its level of pretension let's be honest and the way at least I detected was trying to use science as metaphor and maybe this is because i've been reading a lot of ted shang who loves to do science as metaphor and i just watched uh, arrival again which is based on a ted shang story and i fucking love arrival and arrival is doing all those things like kind of being pretentiously intellectually metaphorical but in a way for me it's satisfying it manages to pull off that project which this one didn't but maybe it wasn't trying maybe i was looking at it the wrong way and comparing it to the thing that makes me like it more that's actually kind of works because now you're thinking of it more as horror, as psychological, as suspenseful, and not allegorical, like you said earlier. So I like that. So I'd recommend Annihilation, even though a lot of it is kind of dumb. I think it looks great enough that it's worthwhile. Gattaca might fair. be interesting as like an artifact of the 90s. Like I might show someone Gattaca to explain the 90s to them. <laughs> but... Yeah, I'll be honest, it was a struggle to finish. 
Yeah, we actually invited friends to watch it, and we warned them that it might be painful. <laughs> it was pretty painful nonetheless. Um, but yeah, yeah. Right on. All right, well, that brings us to a close. Anybody, any final words? Any final thoughts? No. I think vote, vote Bamboon 2020. I think Bam- that's the Bamboon 2020. Yes, that's going to be the name of the pod. <laughs> 2020. They got to listen to the whole thing to get it. Awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs>